This is Under the Hood, a Toyota Policy Drivers podcast where we take a look under the hood of the policies and politics that drive our nation and the auto industry. I'm your host, Donna Rudy, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Today, I'm talking with Stephen Saccone, Toyota's Group Vice President of Government Affairs. In this episode, we're going under the hood on the politics around electric vehicles. And as a bonus, Stephen will answer some rapid fire questions on the political landscape leading up to the midterm elections. The dominant story in the auto industry right now is the transition from the internal combustion engine to battery electric vehicles. Stephen, what are the big drivers of this transition? Hi, Donna, and thanks for inviting me to join you today. I always enjoy sharing a perspective with our Toyota policy drivers. The transition to electric vehicles is being driven primarily by two forces. First, the auto industry's commitment to reduce the environmental impact of our cars and trucks. This is the right thing to do and a response to growing demand from our customers for cleaner vehicles. This is nothing new. Toyota has been a leader in reducing the environmental impact of our vehicles using electrification, starting with the launch of the Prius some 25 years ago and accelerating as we extend our hybrid technology across our lineup. The second force, which is new, are the aggressive regulations that have been enacted by the Biden administration and California, which impose increasingly stringent emission requirements on automakers. Those regulations can only be met by a dramatic shift away from the internal combustion engine toward electrified vehicles. Last year, there was a proposal that electric vehicles made by unionized auto workers would get a $4,500 tax credit. Toyota policy drivers contacted members of Congress who opposed that proposal. In fact, the call to action on that issue had the biggest response in our history. Where does that proposal stand now? The short answer is that it's dead and we killed it. Uh, That proposal was anti-auto worker, anti-consumer, anti-environment and just plain un-American. But it was supported by some of the most powerful politicians and special interests in the country. Toyota went toe-to-toe with them, and we won. And yes, the strong response from our Toyota policy drivers was a big help in that fight. You spoke about new government regulations on auto emissions. Has government provided incentives for consumers to buy EVs? Right now, consumers get up to a $7,500 federal tax incentive if they buy a plug-in hybrid or battery electric vehicle. But once a company has sold 200,000 EVs, the incentive goes away for their customers. Tesla and GM have already hit the cap, and Ford, Nissan, and Toyota soon will. We would like to see the cap increased because... Right now, we have the sticks of challenging new regulations without the carrots of consumer tax incentives. But given the partisan divide on EVs, I'm not optimistic that the cap will be lifted. What do you mean by partisan divide? Do Democrats and Republicans have different opinions about the transition to electric vehicles? Democrats and Republicans disagree? Hard to believe, right? Uh, Well, they do agree that we need to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere, but that's about all they agree on when it comes to energy policy. Let me break it down as simply as I can. Democrats want to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels, and they see a transition to battery electric vehicles as the best way to do it. 
Republicans worry that we are moving too fast and will end up putting our economic and national security at risk. At risk how? The U.S. is largely self-sufficient for oil and gas, but batteries and the minerals used to make them primarily come from other countries. It will take time to develop domestic battery production capacity, as well as the minerals needed to make them, like cobalt and nickel and lithium. These minerals are mostly mined outside the U.S. Once mined, the minerals still need to be processed before they can be used to make batteries, and the processing is done almost exclusively in China. Now, the one thing that Democrats and Republicans do agree on is that China, economically speaking, is our number one threat. So the worry is that if we shift too fast to battery electric vehicles, China will have a chokehold on our auto industry. Can you explain Toyota's position when it comes to the transformation from the internal combustion engine to electrified vehicles? Donna, you asked the question the right way. You said electrified vehicles instead of saying battery electric vehicles. The distinction is important. A hybrid is an electric vehicle. So is a plug-in hybrid like the RAV4 Prime, which gives the consumer the best of both worlds. They can get around on electric power for shorter distances and use gas for longer drives. Hydrogen fuel cell vehicles like the Mirai are also electrified. Toyota's position starts with an important premise. The goal is not to see how many battery electric vehicles we can put on the road. The goal is to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide going into the air. By offering a portfolio of options, including hybrids, plug-in hybrids, hydrogen fuel cell, and battery electric vehicles, we give all consumers the opportunity to buy a vehicle that suits their circumstances and reduces the amount of carbon generated today. Let me give you a great example. My niece, Lexi, just graduated from college in upstate New York. She got a job in Florida as a special education teacher. She was driving a clunker and needed a new car. The average BEV is over $60,000, which is well outside her price range. So instead, with some encouragement from Uncle Stephen, she bought a Corolla Hybrid for about $25,000. She drove that Corolla from Buffalo, New York to Orlando, Florida, a distance of about 1,200 miles. When Lexi got there, she sent me a picture of her dashboard showing the average miles per gallon for the trip. She got 61 miles to the gallon. That's how someone who can't afford to buy a $60,000 battery electric vehicle can make a contribution to reducing the amount of carbon generated right now. Most of the EVs on the market at the moment are in the luxury segment, and they are expensive. What we don't want is for people to keep driving older, less efficient vehicles because they can't afford a new battery electric vehicle. Instead, we need to give people affordable ways to reduce the amount of carbon their vehicles release to the atmosphere. We won't make much progress if the industry only sells to wealthy consumers who can afford to buy expensive battery electric vehicles. Now let's change the topic to the midterm elections. Ready for the lightning round? Fire away. What's different about midterm elections and presidential elections? Here's the way I think about it. In presidential election years, voters are focused on the future. Who do we want to lead the country going forward? In midterm elections, voters tend to take a look back. Did they make the right pick two years ago? That's why midterms tend to be a referendum on the sitting president. 
President Biden's current approval rating is around 40 percent, which is really low. Does that mean the Democrats are in for a difficult midterm election cycle? Ninety percent of the time, the party in control of the White House loses seats in the midterms. And the less popular the president, the more seats they tend to lose. Given the tight margins in the House and Senate, it won't take much of a Republican wave to flip the majorities in Congress from the Democrats to the Republicans. Probably the biggest factor weighing on President Biden's popularity is inflation. But inflation is high around the world. Is it fair to blame President Biden for inflation in the U.S.? It's not about what's fair. It's about what the voters believe. The reality is that all presidents are given blame or credit for the economy, whether they deserve it or not. It just comes to the territory. President Biden hasn't been shy about claiming credit for the increase in jobs since he took office, often pointing to the stimulus packages as the reason. Well, it cuts both ways. Do you think the recent Supreme Court ruling on abortion will change the dynamic of the midterm election? This is a sensitive subject, but let me make three comments. First, the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe was six to three. That means there would need to be at least three changes in Supreme Court justices for the ruling to be reversed. That's not happening anytime soon. Second, the Supreme Court ruling basically sent the question of abortion rights to the states. Governors and state legislatures are now the ones who will determine abortion rights. And that's where I think the issue will be a hot button in elections, more so than congressional elections. And third, while I'm not convinced that abortion access will be a big factor in the congressional midterm elections, I do think it could be a factor in the next presidential election. And only time will tell how important a factor it will be. Former President Trump has been actively endorsing candidates for the midterms. Does his endorsement matter? It seems that most Republican candidates want his endorsement, so they must think it matters. I also think that if you just look at his Senate endorsements, it seems like his support made the difference in the victories of J.D. Vance in Ohio and Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. So, yes, I think it matters. Last question. Do you think the congressional hearings on the January 6th attack on the Capitol will affect the outcome of the midterms or perhaps even the 2024 presidential election? Geez, Donna, you're not exactly ending with a softball question. Uh, My gut tells me that other issues like inflation and immigration and crime and, yes, abortion will be more important to voters in 2022. As for 2024, I think some of the revelations from the hearings will make it more difficult for former President Trump to secure the Republican nomination. And if he does, for him to win the general election. But he has defied the odds before, so once again... Only time will tell. Well, Stephen, thanks for sharing your open and honest take on electric vehicles and the midterm election. That's all for now, policy drivers. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Toyota Policy to get caught up on the latest news on the Hill and to keep the conversation going. See you on our next episode of Under the Hood, a Toyota Policy Drivers podcast.